Welcome to Words to Live By, a podcast series hosted by the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute. Each week, we will share some of the wit and wisdom of Ronald Reagan. In essence, Words to Live By, made up of radio addresses and speeches he delivered from the 1960s through the 1980s. Ronald Reagan always said his favorite holiday was the 4th of July. Oh, and that the Democrats' favorite was April 15th. (laughs) We know what a dedicated patriot he was and how he used his bully pulpit to celebrate everything wonderful about America. And of course, 4th of July provided the perfect opportunity to do so. So over the years, his messages were pretty consistently patriotic, but depending upon the current climate in Washington, he would choose to insert a little personal color. So let's begin with July 1981. Remember, he was recovering from an assassination attempt, as well as trying to kind of buoy the American spirit as we began to climb out of an economic abyss. Congress had not passed his tax recovery bill yet, so our 40th president is trying to rally the American spirit. And this message is a love letter to America. Let's listen. Today, all over America, families and friends are reuniting to renew ties, enjoy each other's company, and celebrate our nation's birthday. It's a day when liberty and laughter go hand in hand, when we can acknowledge that, oh yes, we have our faults and lots of problems too, but we're happy and proud because we're free, and we know the best of America is yet to be. If you close your eyes and try to picture our country, Chances are the first thing you'll see is your own hometown. I always see mine, Dixon and Tampico in Illinois. I was born in one and grew up in the other. Today, it's the hometowns of America, both big and small, that remind us what a diverse yet united country we are. Each in its own special way will carry out a wish expressed by one of the founding fathers 205 years ago. Back in 1776, John Adams wrote his wife, Abigail, that the anniversary of our independence should be observed with great fanfare, with pomp and parades, shows and games, and sports and guns and bells, with bonfires and illuminations, from one end of this continent to the other, and from this time forevermore. By 1982, his address took on a slightly different tone, still patriotic, still reflecting on the Founding Fathers, but by now, the nation was in a recession, and the president sensed their frustration. He knew the economy would roar back, and that it was just a matter of time. So he incorporated a bit of faith into this message, and quite a bit of encouragement by quoting Dwight Eisenhower. Let's listen. My fellow Americans, 206 years ago, One of history's greatest adventures began when a small band of patriots in Philadelphia resolved to stake their all, their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor for freedom and independence. On that distant day, America was born. Our country has been an inspiration for free men and women around the world ever since. The scriptures tell us that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And for more than two centuries now, Our blessed land has grown and prospered, guided by a deep faith in the Almighty and an unquenchable thirst for freedom. As George Washington once wrote to another of the founding fathers, James Madison, liberty, when it begins to take root, is a plant of rapid growth. 
thanks to the faith and fortitude of our ancestors, freedom has flowered on our shores and has brought a legacy of liberty and opportunity to wave after wave of immigrants from every quarter of the globe. In war and peace, in good times and bad, each generation of Americans has passed on the torch of freedom. Some of our ancestors faced trials that we will never know. The snows of Valley Forge, the crucible of your bloody civil war, and the incredible hardships endured in taming a savage wilderness. But the spirit of determination and love of country that saw them through to victory still beats in American hearts today. We, too, face strong challenges to our free, abundant way of life. America is at peace, but we live in a troubled world. American abundance is still the marvel of mankind, but we still face serious economic and social problems. Far more important, though, is the fact that as a free people, we have both the means and the vision needed to solve our problems peacefully, fairly, and democratically. Because we are a free people, we can work together voluntarily in a way no system based on tyranny ever will. That always has been and always will be America's ultimate strength. In the words of Dwight Eisenhower, free men do not lose their patience, their courage, their faith, because the obstacles are mountains, the path uncharted. Given understanding, they invariably rise to the challenge. So on this special day, the birthday of our nation, in the midst of all the joyous celebrations, let us take a moment to remember the debt of thanks we owe to those who came before us, to the same God who guides us all, and to the spirit of faith and patriotism which still makes America the land of the free and the home of the brave. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. So, in the next half of this podcast, we'll move into 1983. Remember, at this point, our nation has begun a massive economic recovery, and the president's resolve to modernize our armed forces has been passed by Congress. So what do you think this message sounds like? We'll listen right after this message. The Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation is the nonprofit organization created by President Reagan himself and specifically charged by him with continuing his legacy and sharing his principles, individual liberty, economic opportunity, global democracy, and national pride. We must remain vigilant and work together to share these conservative principles with younger generations. Your role is critical to move our mission forward Thank you for your continued support. Please visit reaganfoundation.org slash give. That's reaganfoundation.org slash give. Now, back to the story. To set the stage, it's now 1983. Imagine, you're the president. You've been in office two and a half years. Your economic recovery package is finally working and you've convinced the Congress to pass legislation modernizing our military forces. What would your message on the 4th of July convey? Well, let's listen to what the president said. My fellow Americans, on Monday, America will celebrate her 207th birthday. I love the 4th of July. I enjoy picnics and fireworks and long summer days. And I get excited with the thought that millions of our people all across our great country will, on this 4th of July weekend, join together in thinking about freedom 
and the men and women who sacrificed to make it our inheritance. It's easy to forget just what a revolution these Americans made. It's easy to forget how they amazed the world and how many hopes they raised. President George Washington, in the very first inaugural address, warned Americans that they had a new responsibility. He said, The preservation of the sacred fire of liberty and the destiny of the Republican model of government are justly considered, perhaps as deeply as finally, staked on the experiment entrusted to the hands of the American people. Uh, you may not think of yourself or our democracy as an experiment, but look around. All over the world, millions and millions of people still live under tyranny. Their leaders claim that they're the wave of the future, that history is on their side. And yet their people look to us for hope. Their people look to America as the cradle of freedom, the place where the great civilized ideas of individual liberty, representative government, and the rule of law under God are realities. Yes, these people see America as the experiment that works. And democracy works because of the physical and moral courage of individuals, some famous, others deserving of recognition. I think of a group of women we honored in Washington this past April, an honor long overdue. They were nurses who'd been captured in the Philippines during World War II and then spent nearly three years in prison camps. Lieutenant Colonel Madeline Ulm, who was captured at Corregidor, has described tending wounded soldiers during the long months of siege. Our atmosphere was one of dusty pall, ever-present, in which we moved, worked, tried to eat, tried to breathe, in an endless nightmare, she said. In Santa Tomas prison camp, Colonel Ullum and her fellow nurses quickly organized into ships and began to care for other prisoners. They fought against diseases and starvation. They lacked medicine and equipment and food. But miraculously, every one of the 81 American women POWs had survived. These women would not describe themselves as extraordinary Americans. They simply volunteered to serve their country, and they chose to serve it with courage and hope. Their patriotism, as they gathered in Washington 40 years after their capture and imprisonment, remained strong and vibrant. Of course, we're accustomed to thinking of courage during a time of war. But democracy requires political courage as well. In 1954, when he was convalescing from a painful back operation, Senator John F. Kennedy had time to think about political courage. The result was a book entitled Profiles in Courage, in which he wrote, In the days ahead, only the very courageous will be able to take the hard and unpopular decisions necessary for our survival in the struggle with a powerful enemy. And only the very courageous will be able to keep alive the spirit of individualism and dissent which gave birth to this nation, nourished it as an infant, and carried it through its severest tests upon the attainment of its maturity. We've seen a great example of this kind of political courage just recently, when a majority made up of both Republicans and Democrats in the Congress set aside narrow political considerations and embraced a bipartisan program for enhancing America's security and stability through meaningful arms reductions and modernization of our defenses. It was not easy for many of these men and women to vote for the MX missile. Some have been harshly criticized by other members in their own party. Indeed, they faced considerable pressure and corresponding political risks. While accepting such risks, the only benefit they've received is the knowledge that they placed foremost their hopes for successful arms reductions and greater security of their nation. Together with the Congress, we're doing everything possible to achieve genuine arms reductions. Our negotiators have been given instructions that provide greater flexibility in our negotiations with the Soviet Union. The proposals are fair, realistic, 
and would bring a much greater degree of stability for all the peoples of the world. There's absolutely no doubt that the prospects for success in our negotiations have been significantly improved because of the political courage shown by the Congress. The task now is to be patient and to sustain our resolve. On this Fourth of July weekend, I salute those members of the Congress who are putting the interests of America first. They're part of a long American tradition of proving democracy's critics wrong, of showing that we have the courage to stand up for what is right and what is necessary. Our democratic experiment is alive and well at year 207, and with the help of the kind of political leadership and vision that we've seen in recent weeks, we can count on many happy returns. Till next week, God bless you and God bless America. Thank you for listening. For more information on the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute, including information on how to become a member, information on upcoming exhibits at the Reagan Library, and more information on the legacy of President Reagan, please visit reaganfoundation.org. And don't forget to like and follow the Reagan Foundation on all social media platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to the Words to Live By podcast in your iTunes or Google Play stores and on other podcast platforms as they become available. New episodes of Words to Live By come out every Tuesday. Like what you hear? Check out our A Reagan Forum podcast featuring great speeches delivered at the Reagan Library. New episodes drop every Thursday. And... Don't forget to follow at Ronald Reagan on Facebook, at Ronald Reagan 40 on Twitter, and Reagan Foundation on YouTube. Also, search for us on SoundCloud and Stitcher.